Welcome to All Things Apostolic on March the 13th, Monday morning. What a great way to start your week with All Things Apostolic. We're glad that you're with us, and uh, today we're going to have a great time. Now, it's been one week, uh, that's correct, one week since the No Limits Conference um, closed. And um, I just want to take a moment to say it was the largest ever No Limits Conference we've ever had. But that's not enough because you could have something that's large and be the worst conference you ever had. But it was uh, it was the largest. It was by almost everybody's unanimous opinion, the best No Limits Conference that they have ever been in. And I agree that it was absolutely one of the best conferences that I have been in. The preaching was stellar. The worship was deep and heartfelt. The move of the Spirit was powerful. There were lives changed. Um, even the Children's Church, which was led by Brother Philip Booker, was outstanding. Um, I went in there before the services started. When you went in, you had to go through the bottom of a big tree. I mean, that's what it looked like. And you had to work your way through the trunk of that tree. And then when you walked in, you were underground. And when you looked up, there was there was carrots growing, there was beets growing, but you didn't see the tops of the carrots and the beets. You saw the beet and the carrot or half of the carrot hanging through the ceiling because you're underground. And uh, there was worms under there. There was all kinds of interesting things under there. Anyway, in the underground church, the children had a great time. A number of them received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, the reports were outstanding and what a great time they had. And a number of people received uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost uh, in the main services. Also, it was just, it was just a, a tremendous and outstanding time. There was commitments made to God. There was over $400,000 committed to missions in the conference, a, a large amount of which has already came in. There was great fellowship. Many people uh, who were searching for just authentic relationships, horizontal between people, and uh, looking for connectivity. They found it, and, and it was present uh, in abundance in the, in the conference. So it was a great time. I, I just want to report it. I'm excited about it. I mean, if you've got anything exciting to report, send it to me. We'll report yours. But but we're just excited about what God is doing. So uh, if you've seen any of the uh, pre-announcements about what we're going to talk about today, which has been on IG or different places, different forms and platforms, uh, you know that today we said we're going to talk about the rapture. And um, this is uh, such an important subject out of everything you could think of that was given in the New Testament to give comfort to the people of God. Nothing was used more regularly, more consistently, or had deeper implications than the catching away, which would be the exact perhaps translation from the Greek. Rapture is uh, from the Latin, uh, raptura. Uh, but it means the same thing. It means the capture, the, the catching away. And so rapture becomes a word that we actually use for the catching away of the church when Jesus Christ returns to catch the church away. That's why it's called the rapture. So we want to look at this today. It's an important subject. I, it has been, I mean, it doesn't seem like it ought to be, but it's been a hotly debated subject 
some people saying there is no rapture, which uh, when when I read these scriptures today, I don't know how you could possibly uh, get that out of the Bible. Uh, others believe that there is a rapture, but it couldn't take place right now, which the word that would be used would be imminent. It, it, it's not imminent. It, it, it can't happen now that there's other things that have to happen. And the other things that people teach would be that uh, the wrath of God has to come upon the earth first, and then at the end of the wrath of God or the middle of the wrath of God or somewhere in there uh, after the wrath of God has done its, its terrible work on the earth, then the church gets raptured out. Uh, today, we want to show you why uh, we think unequivocally that's a mistake to look at the rapture that way. The rapture out of every conceivable thing you can think of in the New Testament that would bring comfort to the people of God, the rapture was number one. It was that their master, our Lord, at some point is going to return. And when he returns, he is going to deliver us and he is going to take us, keep us from that hour of temptation, so says the book of Revelation. So uh, there's, there's three scriptures that we want to read, and uh, uh, this is the three scriptures that we're going to use in our session here. Now, I don't know if we could finish all of this today, but we're going to dig into it at any rate and see uh, what we can do. So the first of our scriptures is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and let's read these verses beginning at verse 50, and we'll read to 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58, and this is how it reads. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruption shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Note in that 1 Corinthians 15 passage that we just read together, that Paul includes himself with the living. He says, the dead in Christ shall rise, but then we, which are alive and remain. So that indicates that Paul felt like that the coming of the Lord in the rapture could take place in his day. Why is that important? Because it proves that Paul did not see anything having to take place prior to to the rapture taking place. He didn't see that we had to go into the tribulation. He didn't see that anything else, that any other prophetic piece had to be fulfilled before the rapture. He says, 
the dead in Christ should rise, then we which are alive and remain. So he felt like evidently that in his day, the Lord could return at any time. So the imminence of the coming of the Lord, we think is an important thing that it could come at any time because uh, Paul here makes it clear and there's other places too, but that's just a interesting notation. Then Paul writes very similarly to Thessalonica, the church at Thessalonica, as uh, as he did to Corinth. It's it's he's writing. His doctrine is consistent through these places, and so in First uh, Thessalonians chapter four verses thirteen to twenty eight, it reads like this: "But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope." For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so then also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. He attributes this to the Lord saying this, to Jesus saying this, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So here in this passage and in the first Corinthians passage, it reveals a sequence of events that take place at the rapture. And and he sequences how this takes place. And we'll see why he did this a little bit later here. But first he says, at the rapture, the dead in Christ shall rise first. After the dead in Christ rise, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now notice again here, Paul says, we, we which remain. So some folks don't think that the Lord can come any time, but Paul included himself as thinking he might be alive, thus certainly believed in the imminent return of Christ, that he could come anytime without any other prophecy or prophetic events having to take place before the Lord could come in the rapture. Now, Paul probably got his information, uh, I mean, it, it sounds pretty reasonable that he did, about the destination of the saints. He probably got that from John, from Jesus in John 14, 1 through 3, um, where Jesus there talks about going to prepare a place in heaven. Now, something that's amazing in all three of these passages, that is in the 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58 passage, in the First Thessalonians passage, and in the John 14 passage. In all three of these that we're looking at today, we see a commonality. All these were spoken to give comfort. When he talked about the coming of the Lord to catch his church away, in all three, it, it's consistent that it was about, he was giving comfort. He was whether it was the Lord in John 14 or whether it was Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 or in the 1 Thessalonians passage, he was coming to give comfort. 
And this was comfort. You've heard of comfort food? Well, this is comfort information. And he says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me and my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. So here's the words of Jesus that were for comfort. The words of Paul and both of the other passages that we are addressing today were words of comfort. Important to remember. So we know that Paul wrote uh, prior to um, this, we know that Paul had written, well, he wrote two letters or two epistles to the Thessalonians. And he also says that when he was with them, he taught them about the coming of the Lord. He taught them about things to come. And uh, we know that these in the Thessalonian group were a persecuted group. It was a local church group that was maybe many local churches, but all in that area. And they were persecuted. And some had even lost their lives. And those alive were mourning because of this. This is the setting of the first Thessalonians passage. And so because they're mourning, because they had died, Paul is comforting them. This is not a letter of correction. This was not a letter of rebuke, but it's a letter of comfort. And Paul clarifies that he had already in the past taught them about events to come, and therefore he would not spend time in talking about times and seasons. That's the word that he uses in chapter 5 and verse 1 of 1 Thessalonians. He would not spend time talking about times and seasons. Now, interestingly, Jesus used that exact phrase in Acts 1 and 6 when talking to the disciples just before they received the Holy Ghost about the fact that um, they said, is the, is, if the Holy Spirit's coming, is the kingdom now coming? And he distinctly would not include a discussion there of times and season of things to come. Well, Paul here did talk of times and seasons of things to come. So what's the difference? Well, when Jesus was talking to the apostles in Acts 1 and 6, that was taking place before the birth of the church. And they would not have even understood his talk about being resurrected by the Spirit within them. Why? Because there were certain things that here uh, before Pentecost had not yet been revealed. And so what Paul tells us in this Thessalonian passage is, is, is profound. This information is profound. Found nowhere in the Old Testament was the things that he was telling them about the rapture. It's nowhere found in the Old Testament. He says, Paul says, Jesus revealed this to me. And Paul is the one in the New Testament that God gave a revelation of the church. And these Thessalonians had already been taught things about the future. But now, they had relatives who were dying and probably dying for the gospel's sake. And they are heartbroken and shocked that they had died. It now appears that their relatives who died are going to be left out of the catching away. They thought that the Lord was coming then, but he hasn't come yet. And now our folks have been killed or died. So where is he? Now some have already been left behind. If nothing else, these verses make clear 
that these believers who were previously taught by Paul about coming events, they anticipated no prophetic events which had to take place between the time they were presently in and the time when the catching away would take place. In other words, they didn't they didn't think, well, before the Lord can come, the Antichrist has to be revealed. Before the Lord can come, uh, the temple has to be built. Or before the Lord could come, no, that, they didn't have any of that. And Paul was the one that taught them. And Paul clarifies to them that the day of the Lord, really big phrase right there, the day of the Lord. In the Old Testament, it's described as a day of doom, and it's described as a day of judgment. And sometimes at the end, when the Lord is returning to set up his kingdom at the second return, you've got the rapture, and then you've got the wrath of God, and then you've got the second return. At the time of the second return, sometimes the term of the day of the Lord includes the good things that are going to start happening with the return of the Lord. But mostly it's describing the doom that's going to take place and that judgment is going to fall on the earth. And Jesus himself said that there's going to be judgment fall on the earth as has never been seen in the history of mankind. And that defies description because we there's been unspeakably horrific things that have taken place. But he, he is here saying um, that none of these things does he describe has to take place before they can be raptured out of here. This was part of the comfort to them. This is a comforting message. We want to remember this is a message of comfort. And this was part of their comfort. It's also very possible that they were being taught false doctrine that the Lord had already come. And so Paul is answering these things. He's answering their questions to comfort them and to strengthen them uh, and to give them further understanding and knowledge. All right. Well, I didn't get through today, so tomorrow we'll pick up right where we're at. Thank you for being with us on All Things Apostolic.